Amen. Good morning, Identity Church. I'm, I'm going to tell you what, that was a good round of praise and worship right there. You know, when we, when we have the freedom to worship Jesus, man, things just break through. Things break off of you, actually. You know, have you ever had something that just like stuck to you? You know, I was uh, helping Heather the other day. Her car had broke down. I'm the great mechanic that I am. Um, I went, I went and got her a, you know, I had to go get her a battery, right? So I'm like sitting there going, all right, I got to take this car apart. And you know, there's road dust and just ugh, grime all over you. And that stuff just sticks to you. I'm talking about it's under your fingernails. I mean, you're like, oh my gosh, I look like I've, you know, like I'm having the bubonic plague or something. I mean, it's just black stuff all up under your fingernails, everything. Do you know that Jesus is the cleansing of our soul? You know, just like I was sitting there scrubbing with, with soap, Jesus himself is the cleansing of our soul. Do you know that every time we go back to Jesus, we start praising God, the Holy Spirit takes the washing of the water of the word that comes through our praise and worship, and it just starts cleaning, cleaning our mind, our will, and our emotions. You know, a lot of times I need my emotions cleaned. You know your emotions are your catalyst to all the bad things you do and some of the good things you do. Do you know that your emotions are usually what take you in a direction? That means your will. And there's things that we will get emotional about. How many people have heard that, you know, that it was a crime of passion. You know, oh, well, somebody did something and I just snapped and I killed them, right? Every TV show just about is that in some form, right? But see, these are the things that people don't get is the fact that our emotions are the catalyst. It's the explosion that forces you in a direction. And see, those are the things that when you're in the middle of praise and worship, you let your emotions go. And then Jesus sends you in the right direction. You say, well, is praise and worship supposed to be emotional? Absolutely. You're supposed to get all kinds of up in the crying and, oh, it's ugly cry time. You know, some people need to ugly cry sometimes in the middle of praise and worship. You know why? Because you need to go in a different direction. You need to change your emotions. Your emotions are, I'm upset this morning. I'm, I'm, in, I'm going in a bad direction. All of a sudden you get there in the presence of God and you start crying and all of a sudden he goes, I love you. And you know what? I'm calling you to love other people. And you're like, oh, Lord, I don't want to love other people. And he goes, he goes, yeah, but give it a few more minutes and you'll love everybody. You'll choose those people who are unchoosable to you. Have you ever heard of sandpaper people? I've got a lot of them. They just wear on you. They start wearing you. You go, man, I, I, every, I get sore in places every time I'm around those people. But you know what? A good praise and worship, getting yourself and your mind, your will and your emotions in the right direction, and they don't quite scuff you up as bad as you once had them scuff you up. Amen? Right. Amen. I don't know why I went there, but you know what? That was free. <clears throat> awesome. We're going to talk, so the last couple of weeks we've been talking about the love of God, and we talked about what the love of God was, which is the agape kind of love, not, hey, you know, I, 
Ray loved the, the lust one. You know, Ray was like, woohoo, yeah, that was, that was lust. Woo, that one's good. But uh, I was telling it like it is, man. But you know what? You see something you want, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I want that. Well, that's not the God kind of love. That's the lust kind of love. Just like every time I see my wife, it's like, whoo, boy, look at that. Do you know that when you see something you want, and you're taking that into an account, you're not choosing it because it just needed to be cho- cho- chosen, chosen. It needed to be chosen. Do you know that, that you're choosing something because you thought it was the best thing? Right? How many people have went to go to choose something out of a, you know, out of a box and you saw the most shiny thing and you grabbed it, right? So this hardly ever happened to me because I was always bad as a kid. But when I was in second grade, you could get the sticks. We had five popsicle sticks. And whenever you had a popsicle stick taken from you, you didn't get a certain thing at the end of the week, right? So if you had one popsicle stick, then you got like some sort of little trinket. If you had like two, you got two of those trinkets. But if you had all five, you got to go to the special box, And the special box had all the good stuff in it, right? It had the candy and it had, it had all that just, you know, there'd be things like, you know, guns, squirt guns. And we would actually be able to squirt people, right? I was always the one getting squirted because I didn't have any popsicle sticks at the end of the week. But you would get all these things. Well, I remember there was a couple of times I actually had five sticks. It wasn't often. But I would go up there and you would see this shiny thing. Every kid that got to go up there would grab the shiny thing, right? And it was the worst thing. It was the thing that was made the worst. It broke in five seconds. But all of a sudden, if you really took the time and you were looking through everything, you chose the most choosable thing, the choice thing. And you know, that's what the the Lord says is that I chose you. I looked past all of the griminess and all the ugh, right? And I chose you because you were not choosable by the world's standards, but by my standards, the Lord says. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know that God saw you before? Uh, there was all these movies that came out in the 90s about the ugly girl that they put some makeup on and they took her glasses off. The moment you took the glasses off, man, she turned into the hottest thing you ever saw, right? Well, that's what Jesus did. He came in and he goes, ooh, you're the hot girl. I just got to clean you up. See, once we get down to the spirit and we start what, just getting, wiping all that stuff off of us, we start looking like Jesus on the inside. Amen. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 actually says that we heard the word, we believed, we accepted Christ, and then we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That means that he cleaned us up, and then the Holy Spirit came in and he just like wrapped us all up in the goodness. So your spirit on the inside of you is good. You got a good spirit. If you got saved, you got a good spirit. Now your mind, your will, and your emotions... That's why it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we're supposed to renew our mind by the word of God. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
Do you know that the love of God said, I know you got, you got all this junk in your mind. I know that right now, until you accepted Jesus, you, your spirit is not right. But the moment you accept Jesus, He cleans the inside of you. He seals you up so that you can't get any dirt back on your spirit. And then He starts saying, renew your mind by the Word of God. You know, it's a crazy thing. The moment you start doing that, the rivers of living water start coming out of you. The goodness of God starts coming out of you. You know, this is the goodness of God. When we know who we are in Christ Jesus, when we take the time to get to know Him, we start acting like Him. It's amazing. So that was what we talked about a couple weeks ago. We actually talked about the Spirit of God and the love of God and how God's love is first. You can have all the power you can have all the authority. You can have everything. But if you don't have the love of God, then you're like a, a banging symbol. You know, you would stand by, you know, Caleb when he was first learning how to play drums. We'd be downstairs and all of a sudden you'd hear, and it'd just be over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. You'd be like, son, there's a different drum somewhere around there. There's a different thing to hit. But you would hear it over and over and over again. And to him... What he was listening to and what he thought was going on, it was the greatest thing ever. But to everybody else around him, it was like, find something else to hit. <laughs> Do you know that this is the way it is when we, when all it is is serve, 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 serve. Hey, you want to serve some more? Anybody want to serve? Hey, you want to serve? You want to go serve? You know, eventually people go, I'm tired. I'd like to know this Jesus that I'm trying to serve. See, that's what the love of God is trying to say is that you can have all the gifts and you can do all those things in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. You can serve and be used and have all those gifts. And by the way, choose the best gift. The best gift is the one you need. But do you know that the thing is, is that if you don't have love... Now abideth faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And the greatest of these, the first, the elder, the first is love. And then you have hope. You have an expectation. And once you have that expectation, man, woo, I get faith. I start trusting in what God's word says. I start trusting in what's going on. It's amazing. I mean, there's things, you know, people go, well, I trust that the chair's going to hold me up. You know, there's a lot of times I don't. But I still sit down, right? But see, that's not faith. I mean, I get on an airplane and I go, don't go, in the name of Jesus, I got faith that this plane is going to come, is going to get to the other side. Because guess what? That's something that man made. <laughs> I'm saying in the name of Jesus, you're going to get me there on the other side no matter if the plane has a problem or not. I'm coming off of this. Because I'm not putting my trust in man. See, that's what faith does is once I love and I know I'm loved, then I actually can have an expectation and that expectation leads to trust. It's like you can come tell me something about my wife that is untrue and I'll go, that ain't true. You know why? I've known her for 28 years. I know her. You can come tell me something crazy and I might trust you, but I know her better. I, I, I'll i be like, okay, if she did something, 
I'm going to go ask her. I'm going to go do something. But I will tell you this. You're not just going to make me think differently about my wife because I've got a long period of expectation and hope and love that has brought me to this place of total trust. It's just the way this thing works. It's the way God put it in the earth. It works both spiritually and it works physically. All right. Now we're going to get to we got to start loving Jesus. Y'all just didn't love Jesus enough this week. I knew it. Just look at you. Yeah, I just, yeah, I didn't love him enough. I just, but you know, the thing is, is that, you know, loving Jesus is good. Loving God is good. And we need to understand how to love God. In fact, we talked a little bit about it last week about the love languages, right? And I want you to understand that, that those love languages, like I know that, that my wife's is acts of service and affirmation, right? So if I go take out all the dishes, the clean dishes, by the way, and I go put them up in the cabinets, man, my wife thought I was Superman that day. I'm going to tell you what, that was the greatest thing ever. Now, I can go up and I can hug and kiss on her, and she's like, okay, we still got stuff to do, right? Because I'm, I'm touched. I'm like, hey, baby, come over here. Let's you know, let's go sit down on the couch together. And she's like, no, there's more stuff to do. See, this is what, when we're looking at the love of God, we're needing to understand that the love of God himself, God is love. He's all of it. He's every bit of it. And we're going to see in some of the scriptures. But here's those five love languages. You guys pick yours and you let me know later which one's yours. But you got physical touch, you got words of affirmation, you got quality time, you got gift giving, and then acts of service. My my aunt Dorinda was gift giving to the to the T. Isn't that right, Jay? It was like she you would get a gift from my aunt Dorinda, and you'd be like, "Why did I get a gift? It's not my birthday. It's nothing. It's because she loved you out of her own love language." I mean, she would actually buy you a gift, like when somebody says, "Oh, you know." Can you pick out people's love language? That was like her number one, and I don't even know where a two was. I mean, my Aunt Dorinda was like, I, I don't care what you call me as long as you buy me a gift, right? That was just the way it was. But see, these are the kind of things that we have to understand is that these are inherent in us. This is not something that some psychologist came up with and we went, oh, well, it's a mumbo jumbo. This is actually what God put in us. They're just seeing it, right? You know, everything that that the medical community and all these other people, the psychologists and all that, they're just seeing things God did in us. It wasn't that they created it and then we conformed to it. This is what is in us. But God is all of this. In fact, in John chapter 14, we're going to kind of hover around here in John 14 a little bit. And it says here, John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, this is an act of service. He's he's saying, I will keep my promise if you keep my commandment. That's an act of service. God himself set that into motion. In verse 16, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Uh Uh-oh. Here's gifts of the Spirit. It's gifts of giving. You know, God himself throughout the Bible 
said, in fact, both in John and I believe it's in Matthew and maybe even in Luke, he calls the Holy Spirit the promise of God. That means that it was a gift that was given to us, for us, for us to be in and be with us, right? And so this is the gifts of the Spirit. So we were talking last week about, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the gifts of the Spirit. Well, the gifts of the Spirit are in you because He gave you the Comforter. Amen? And that He may abide, so this is quality time with you forever. So I want you to understand something. Does this word forever mean just for, you know, until 90 A.D.? That he was going to be there for, for just until 90 A.D.? I'm getting a couple of head shakes. Some of y'all are like, what are you talking about? Well, 90 A.D. is when we think John died, right? And that's what the cessationists say, is that after John died, all the, all the disciples were gone. And so the Holy Spirit no longer dwells with us. He no longer does anything. And guess what? The scripture right here, Jesus' words, says that he will abide with us forever. Guess what forever means? It means after, after the judgments, after everything, the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. When you're in heaven, guess who's going to be there? The Holy Spirit. You know what? He's not going to, he's not going to quit teaching you. It's going to be a little bit easier, by the way. When you're in heaven, when, when God comes back and he recreates the earth as the new heaven and the new earth, guess what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to be able to talk to you one-on-one, face-to-face. Right now, we see it through a darkly, just like it says in 1 in Corinthians chapter um, 13. Because the perfect thing hasn't come. Where the Spirit, where we become Spirit and the Spirit is with us. Face to face. And see, this is the thing I want you to understand because people will tell you that the Holy Spirit and all of His gifts and the things that He does, that they passed away. The Scripture just proved them wrong. Bring them back to the Scripture because you need to know this. You need to know how to fight against people who are trying to get God and put Him under a box. Okay? God doesn't go under a box. The Catholics put Him in a box. You go to every Catholic church, there's a box at the front of the Catholic church. You know what that was for? The Holy Spirit. It don't matter anymore. God came out of the box. He's now living and dwelling with you. Amen? Verse 17, it says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and will be in you. So we need to we need to understand something. This is Jesus before he went to the before he actually put his blood on the mercy seat and everybody could get saved, right? He will be in you means that after I've done these things you've accepted him and now he comes and lives with inside of you. So a lot of these things Jesus is speaking from one side of the cross to the other side of the cross. You realize that the Old Testament still was in manifestation when Jesus was here on the earth. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think, well, the moment Jesus came, you know, I can look at Jesus' words and I can apply them to my life without understanding what side of the cross Jesus was on. 
I know that's, that's really hard. I would have to teach probably a whole thing on that. But, but essentially, that's one of the reasons why I'm, in Isaiah 53, 4, it says that, that by his stripes we will be healed. And in 1 Peter, 20, uh, 1 Peter 2, 24, it says that we were healed. It's because you're looking at the dividing line of the cross. The cross itself created a split from what covenant God had with man to what covenant God has with man right now. Does that make sense to everybody? I just want that that to me is a very needed thing in the body of Christ. Because a lot of people will go back and go, well, let's go look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. And if you don't do these things, you're going to be cursed. Well, no, he became a curse for you is what Galatians said. We need to understand that Jesus became the curse. You're no longer cursed because of that. Can you have bad circumstances? Absolutely. How many people do stupid things? Anybody? A double-handed ray over there is like, woo! If I could get my feet up, I would... Do you know that this is the problem that we have is that he didn't do away with consequence. He did away with the curse. The people don't understand that at all. Oh, well, bad things keep happening to me. I do stupid stuff, but bad stuff keep happening to me. I thought Jesus was supposed to do away with the bad stuff. No, he doesn't do away with your consequences. He did away with the curse. And if you go back and look at what Israel went through with the curse, it meant that no matter what they did, they couldn't get out of it. Their circumstance was curse, no matter if they did the right thing. See, that's what curse means, is that I did the right thing, and I did the right thing, and I did the right thing, and nothing happened. Whenever somebody comes to me and says, I have all these bad problems in my life, and I go, well, what have you been doing? And they go, oh, I've been doing the right thing. And I go, eh. no. If you were doing the right thing, then the consequences would be happening for you there. Well, what if somebody leaves me or there's a problem in my life? Well, that was their will. So you have to understand something. You can do everything right and somebody can do something wrong. That has nothing to do with God. That has to do with their will. I don't know why I'm on this, but I feel like i got to keep talking about this for a second. Will you all just bear with me? Do you know our will means everything? Me and Heather have a will to go in the same direction. That means that we pull in the same direction. We're, we're two oxen pulling the same way. I know she's not going to be happy with I just called her an oxen, but I'm just going to tell you that as... Me and Heather pulled together, we're taking each other's load. As man and wife, in ministry. Do you know that if she decided to pull in a different direction, and I'm pulling, and see, this is what most people think about, you know, about the, the stronger vessel and the weaker vessel is, well, the man just pulls us in the right direction. No, no, no. You want your help me to help pull you in the same direction. But if you're pulling in two different directions, you're never, ever going to be able to get to your destination. You're never going to plow that field. See, this is the thing people don't understand about the oxen and, and what Jesus was saying when he said that my burdens are easy and light and that I am hooked to you is that he's trying to till your ground so that he can get the rocks out so that we can plant seed. 
Was that a revelation for anybody? See, we need to pull in the same direction so we till up all that bad stuff that's in the ground and we get it out. And then the Word of God can come in and it can plant. But see, the problem is is that we stop tilling the ground and our will kicks in and then you never plant seed into good ground. And that's one of the reasons why we end up having circumstances that just keep going and going and going. You keep picking the wrong people to be friends with. You keep picking the wrong car, right? You keep picking the wrong job. You keep picking everything incorrectly because you never got all that junk out of your ground. See, when we pull like oxen, we have this big thing that is tilling the ground up and it's making it usable. See, our heart is our belief system. And the moment that our heart is prepared, that's why Jesus said, hook up to me. I'm going to prepare your heart for the seed. Amen. Was that good for someone? I I don't know why I even went there, but I just knew I needed to go there for a second. Amen. Amen. So he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18, it says, and I will not leave you orphans I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more but you will see me because I live you because I live and you will live also verse 20 at the day you will know that I am in my father and you are in me and I in you there's the whole touch thing Jesus has created the ability for us to love him through this touch It's a part of the the love gifts that he has given us. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them or guards them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him. That's affirmation. He's telling you, I love you. You know, God tells us throughout the, the scriptures that he loves us. I mean, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He tells us right here that God loves you if you're in Him. He's choosing you. A lot of people go, I don't know if God loves me. I don't know. The Word is trying to tell you that He loves you. Let Him love you. You know, it would be like if I came in and Heather's sitting there and, and she goes, you know, I just don't know if you love me today. And I go, let me, let me, let me hug on you, baby. I love you. And all of a sudden she goes, she goes, yeah, I know you say that. I mean, you got it written down and stuff, but I don't think you really love me. Do you know that that is bull? It's straight up. Because if I keep showing up, I keep doing, we keep having the conversation, I keep saying it, we keep going. Guess what that is? Love I'm choosing her. Because if not, I would be going, hey, she calls me up. I don't know if you love me today. Well, let me get done with my girlfriends over here. And I'll come home and I'll I'll tell you one more time. But yeah, uh, you know, Missy over here tells you hi, you know. Well, guess what? You'd be sitting there going, you don't love her. And And it would be true. Because I choose her every day. I go home every day to her. I go and tell her every day I love her. 
we have choice together. See, this is the whole problem with, with people saying, well, I just don't know if I feel loved. Well, you know what? Just open up this scripture. I just gave you John chapter 14. Read this whole thing because guess what? If you're in him and he's in you, then you are loved. Amen? So what are these commandments? So I've got two different versions of this, and I love the way that they're written in both ways because I think that they, are, they apply um, equally, but there's just some nuance to it uh, that I like. So what are the new commandments? So in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, it says, Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. That means your understanding and your imagination. See, it said soul and mind there, but it's not the same. It's not suke. See, soul is suke. It means mind, will, and emotions. It's the, it's the wholeness of your mind. It, but... Right here, this word mind right here is a different word, and it means understanding and an imagination. And you may go, well, why is that important, Dusty? Well, let me ask you a question. You know, I've got Greg and Darlene right here. You know, y'all go on different, like, trips and stuff like that. But if y'all were separate from each other, can you see Greg, Darlene, in your head? You think fondly of him and go, ooh, baby, Greg, I just I love you. You know? Well, you know, the imagination of our heart is important when you're loving somebody physical. I just don't go, I don't remember what Heather looks like, but I think I love her. No, I know her. I see her. Like, I can turn away, I know what she looks like. Y'all just believe me, Okay. But see, this is the thing. You have to understand what God is to you. You have to have a heart of imagination in order to love God. I see him as my protector, my provider. I see him as my strong king, the mighty fortress. He stands at the, at the precipice of all the things that are trying to come against me, and he is diverting them away from me. I see it because the love of God has been implanted in my heart and I get to see who he is and the character of God and it just, it just comes out of me. I'll be praising and worshiping and all of a sudden it's just, my God's a mighty warrior. He's a consuming fire in victory you reign. We triumph in your name. I love that song because he's my fire. I see him standing on the hill, on the mountain, burning everything up. He's the great commander. Do you know that God himself is over my life? These are things that I see. I actually play them over and over and over when I'm doing praise and worship. See, this is a homework assignment for you guys. If you do this, you will never be without God's love. You will never be without His understanding. You will live in His goodness because you will see His goodness in your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your imagination. Because it says right here, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your belief system, with all your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and then with all of your mind, your understanding, and your imagination. Verse 38 says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Uh-oh. 
How many people love themselves? Anybody, anybody love themselves? Anybody go, anybody go, you know, I did everything perfect this past week. Oh, I'm good. I, I, I'm, guys, I'm just letting you know I'm good, you know. If you want to know who, I love myself because I'm good. See, the thing is, most people will go, yeah, I like myself. Uh, th- that's not what it said. Do you love yourself? Do you choose yourself? And see, a lot of people go, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm smart enough. Do you know that all of these things are self-doubt? It supersedes the loving of yourself. In fact, that's one of the reasons why sometimes we love our neighbor just like we love ourselves. In fact, you will find out that some people will act just like what their neighbor's acting like, and they can't see that they do the exact same thing. It's because they don't know. They can't see what they do. And see, this is one of the things that I think needs to to be understood is because Jesus says it a little bit different uh, in John, and I'm about to get to that. But verse 40, it says, And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That means that if you just followed these two, then you'd be able to have made, you would have been perfect in the law. You would have been perfect in the law. But see, it's harder than you think especially this love in yourself piece. But what we need to do is we need to understand how to love the way Jesus loved you. And that's what John 13 says. John 13, 34, A new covenant I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So you love the way Jesus loved. And you go, well, I'm trying to love the way Jesus loved. Well, you know, Jesus would see people do completely stupid things they were prostitutes and they were thieves and like because that was basically what a um an accountant or a or a tax collector was was a thief because they skimmed off the top you'd come in and your actual taxes would be which i kind of feel like that's what we have right now with the irs but anyway is that all of a sudden they come in and go hey you need to you need to pay 24 percent but for you Today, you pay 28%, and that other 4% goes into my pocket. See, that was the way that the tax collectors made money, was that the government said, I'm not going to pay you. I'm going to let you scrape off your piece. So whenever people said, those dang tax collectors, well, you need to understand why they hated the tax collectors. It wasn't because they were coming and taking the taxes. It was because they were taken above their taxes to pay themselves. And some people, 4% would have been like, good. It was more like, oh, you owe 50% and I'm going to get 26% of your taxes. As long as the government got their piece, they didn't care what you took. See, this is what we need to understand is that Jesus said that we need to love people And that's what he did was he went to the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and he chose to take time with them. See, he loved people the way God loved. That he loved the world so much that he was going to give of himself. See, this is what we need to understand is that Jesus is saying today that we love on each other that way, not with, well, how do I see myself? 
Or how do I feel about myself? Do I feel like that I'm good enough to do what I'm doing? You know, have you ever heard of imposter syndrome? We're doing a lot of stuff with DE&I at work. And one of the things we've done is we've talked about imposter syndrome. And that's basically that you, uh, that you have this syndrome, everybody has it to a certain degree, that if I was to give you more than what you had, or if I was to give you more responsibility, that you would basically say, I can't do that in my own head. I feel like an imposter. I feel like I can't complete those things. Hey, it was it was really it was really something I dealt with when I first started this church because you're you're dealing with people and you're like I I could just wear myself out and you're going Lord I don't have enough of me to go around and so for a while there I was like Lord you're gonna have to do something because I I I feel like an imposter I don't feel like a good pastor I feel pretty awful. I would say something and I would be like, well, did they take that right? I mean, I'm, I'm being serious. We would be sitting there and I would say something. And there was, I'm, look, I'll tell you straight up. I know that there are times when we all don't do the right thing. And I've done a plenty of that. But I want you to understand that, that when we don't love ourselves the way that we are supposed to be loved by God, then we feel like imposters. Amen? Does that make sense to everybody? You see, when we feel like we're imposters, then we start going, we start loving out of that. Well, let me just, let me jimmy something up in order to love somebody. And then you always give them the weird thing, right? How many people you've known that was like super sickeningly sweet, loving, and you were like, uh, it's usually because they feel like an imposter and they're doing something opposite of what they would normally do when they loved. Because i got to show them I love them. But see, that's not what God's asking for you. God's asking you to choose people. And choice doesn't always look like, hey, are you doing good today, Betty? Oh, come over here, Betty. I want to talk to you, Betty. You know, I just want you to know I love you, Betty. How weird is that? I was cringed out myself. Betty's looking at me like, oh my God, can I get to the door? You know, but see, that's the thing is that we typically love people out of this weird. I don't know if I'm an imposter. I don't know if I'm actually loving people right. You know, sometimes the best thing is just to show up and just to go, hey, you had a good week. I love you. You know, if I'm doing something outside of that, you know I'm having a bad week, right? In fact, it says here in verse 35, By this, um, all will know that you are my disciples, and if you love, if you have love one for another. See, this is the thing. That's how people understand that you're a disciple of God, is that you show up. And when things are bad, you show up. When things are good, you show up. When things are weird... You show up. That's how you know that you're a disciple. So you show up. You choose. You choose people. You choose the things that God's telling you to choose. Ten commandments. There was two of them, right? The new commandments. But there was actually these commandments in those ten commandments. But he had to be more specific, right? So the first four is loving God. The last six is loving people. Have no other gods. Okay, that's good. Don't have another God. That was kind of hard because they came out of Egypt. 
There was a thousand gods. It's like going to India right now. You go to India, there is a billion gods, and they don't care if you have God. They don't care about Jesus. Hey, Jesus is fine. I'll just add him into the, the mix of all the other gods that we'll go burning incense to. Do not make an idol or a likeness. This is not, I took your soul because I took your picture. This is, hey, I'm actually worshiping an idol because I thought that that was connected to a particular type of God. Do not take the name of the Lord God in vain. You know, a lot of people will say, you know, what's the number one? You know, GD, right? Everybody, oh, if they say GD, that's the worst one, right? Because that took God's name in vain. Well, I'm going to tell you that God will damn some folks, okay? So it's not the worst. Do you know what the worst, the worst name in vain is? Is telling people that God is something that he's not. That's taking his name in vain. You may be sitting there and going, hey, you know, well, God, he's going to put something bad on you just to teach you a lesson. That is a cuss word. Don't take my God's name in vain. He didn't put nothing on you. He told you in his word what it was. You want to see me get mad? That's why I get mad. Now, I have to be nicer because there's plenty of people that believe those kind of things. But I, ugh. When people go, well, you know, God gave me cancer to teach me something. I got news for you. That is, a, that, where is that in the word? That's not in the word. That's taking God's name in vain. Because he didn't do it. He didn't, he did not do it. Guess what? There is a person of, that's outside of God called Satan. We live in a fallen world. Don't take God's name in vain. Don't go put, well, God's got big shoulders. He can take it. It makes people feel good if somebody died or had a thing and it was God's will for their life. I know that there's a lot of people that probably in here that's like, well, I, I believe that. I'm just telling you, you need to understand God's word because his word never says that. Never says that he's going to put sickness on you. Especially, especially when you start talking about not being cursed. Well, somebody got sick and they died. Hey, I had a buddy of mine, you know, last week I sang his song. This is who I am. He got COVID and he died. Well, you know, there was, I went to his funeral and his sister was like, hey, I, you know, I guess, well, you know, God was just ready to take him home. I just wanted to go, oh my gosh. I thought it was COVID that killed him. I didn't know that God came in and killed him. I know, I just stepped on something. But I want you to know the truth. Because the truth is what sets us free. It sets us free from trying to understand why. Oh, I, I love that Chris Stapleton song. It was like uh, Broken Halos. Have you ever heard it? He goes, Broken Halos, it used to fly, you know. And then he goes, They belong to the by and by. Don't go asking Jesus why. You know why? Because it wasn't Jesus. See, God wants you to understand something. He loves everybody. He's not putting a curse on you. He wants you to know that Jesus became the curse. Amen?
Remember the Sabbath. Hey, everybody be here on Saturday, okay? All right. No, we, we take Sabbath as a Sunday, so remember it. It's a day of rest. It's a day that you're supposed to come get recharged and filled up. Yes, you're supposed to be at church. Yes, you're supposed to not work as hard as you, want, you did on the, on the first day. Now, I understand people have to work on Sunday. That's perfectly fine. But I want you to understand something. You need a day with the Lord. You need a day with the Lord. You need a day to say, hey, I'm going to recharge my battery. Well, I work seven days a week. Go look for another job. Because the Lord wants you to take some time with Him. Amen? See, I was, I was expecting, hey, hallelujah. I'm going, to take, I'm, going to go, I'm going to take some time off. Lord, help me. Most people go, oh, I just, I can't do that. Well, you know what? I'm not saying do it tomorrow. Don't go quit your job. But, you know, if you don't have the time, go spend the time with the Lord. All right. Honor your, so these are the people ones. Honor your father and mother. That's pretty good for people. You shall not murder. Really good for people. You shall not commit adultery. Also good for people. You shall not steal. That's pretty good for people as well. You shall not bear false witness. Well, that sh- you shouldn't lie. Don't lie to people. Don't, don't come in and do something that you're not supposed to do. And this last one, you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. If your neighbor comes up and he's in that new you know, Ford F-150, you're like, oh, I've been wanting that forever, and I saw my neighbors. Yeah, you're going straight to hell. Sorry. <laughs> all right, let's all go. <laughs> I'm dismissing. No. See, back in the day, and, and this one doesn't really cover it that well, but it's like, don't cover your, neighbor, your neighbor's house. Don't covet his wife. Don't covet his men servants. Don't covet his donkey. Which, by the way, it was like, I'm, I've never really coveted a person's donkey. But, <laughs> but I want you to understand something. Is that if I see somebody that has something that I want... And I can afford it, that's not coveting it. Because I'm not trying to go get his thing. See, back in the day, you only had one of one thing. If somebody had a sword, so let's just say I got a bunch of gun people in here, right? Well, if you got the new Glock 9 or whatever it is that, that is the hottest thing that's out, and some and I go, man, I want Greg's. I no, I don't want to go buy my own. I'm gonna get Greg's. Well, that's coveting. But if I go, Greg got one. I thought that was really good. Oh, well, I'm going to go buy one. That's not coveting. Because I'm not trying to take Greg's. I'm not stealing it from him. Right? Well, it gets the, the stakes get higher if it's like, hey, I'm going to go take his wife or his kids or whatever. And see, that was the, the mindset that was in the Egyptian way was that you could go and take from others. The things that couldn't be replaced. Amen? So don't do it. All right. So a covenant in fear. And I'm almost done here. So Deuteronomy 5, 3 through 6. So this is also, and you can see at the top here, Exodus 22 through 17. See, what you need to go back is you read both Deuteronomy and Exodus side by side and you see some of the nuances. Because in both cases... Uh, Moses is trying to tell us something here. And it says, Deuteronomy 5, 3, it says, The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all that who are alive. So God 
made a covenant, not with Abraham. He was making a new covenant through the commandments. Because right after uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, he goes into all of the, the Ten Commandments, right? And then he goes through all the Levitical law. And it says here, the, in verse 4, it says, The Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. And I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire. I'm showing you two different pictures. One's a little closer, one's a little further away, but they have actually found the real Mount Sinai. You can go out there and look at Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. There's actually, there's actually hieroglyphs of like cows and bulls and stuff like that that are on the rocks. They've, there's an altar. Man, some of these rocks, the children of Israel, because there's four million of them, they picked up rocks that was about half the size of this building. I mean, it's amazing. You can go out on YouTube, you can go look at all this. But there, there's a lot of people, even like New York Post and all these others, have come out and said, yeah, we, they really believe that this is the mountain because they've actually found the cave for Elijah as well. It's it's really good stuff. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to blow your mind today, but this is these are things that the Lord is starting to reveal because uh, Saudi Arabia has opened up. It used to be behind fences and stuff. Well, they've created a, a highway that runs in this area. Well, now everybody goes past it and sees this. In fact, you can actually go out and find the YouTube channels where they've opened it up. Back in the 80s, they found it and. They got kicked, people got kicked out of Saudi Arabia for being there. But essentially, where you see this darkness that's on top of this mountain, that's not a cloud, it's nothing like that. That's actually char. There was actually fire. The fire of God came down and lit on top of this mountain. There are some of the videos where people walk up and they're like, they cross over the line where it's this kind of a, a pinky kind of Kelly looking type, uh, you know, like a um, shell type look. And then they go and it's this like blackish green. And they actually can pick up one of the, the broken rocks and flip it over. And it's this pinky kind of color on the bottom and it's black on top. Now, this is all great. and We're all sitting here going, "Woo, man, I, I, I need to go out and look at that. But I want you to understand, look at the top of this mountain, especially where they were at. This is, this is where the children of Israel would have been, is sitting about like what's on this, this right-hand-sided picture. And what they would have seen is wherever you see the blackness on the top of that mountain, there was fire emanating off of the top of that mountain. There was like this, this fire that had come down. So if you were a part of the... Children of Israel, how scared would you have been? I mean, you'd been really, really, really scared. And you know what? In Exodus, in Exodus, they actually tell Moses, do not send us up on the mountain, but you go and you tell us and we will follow whatever God says. Do you know why God did this? It's because he was trying to instill fear into them so that they would follow the covenant. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. You know, it's one of the things, if you have the Holy Spirit, He gets to tell you all the time, hey, you're messing up, right? 
But when you're in complete uncontrol, before you got saved, if y'all can, you know, maybe some of y'all got saved at a young age, but if you're like, hey, I remember how it was, and I just went and did anything and everything. Well, these people were in the same boat. In fact, the fire of God is happening on the mountain. Moses is up there. He's been gone for like, you know, 40 days. He's about to come back off the mountain, and they actually build an altar, and they sacrifice to a golden calf. See, that's how hard-headed and hard-hearted these people were. And God, the only way you could keep them in the box was to actually show them some dominance. So all those people who had done that, he sucked them into the ground because they were never going to get it. There was no Holy Spirit. See, a lot of people, they'll go, well, you know, well, why was God so mean? He wasn't mean. There was no Holy Spirit to actually change people's heart back then. There was nothing to save you. You were, you, until Jesus came, there was no Holy Spirit that could come live on the inside of you. Jesus himself had to become a man, and this is hard for people to understand. When God gave dominance over to Adam for earth, God no longer had the domain that he had before. Go back and read it. It was Adam's domain. So Adam got to choose what was good and bad. And he could choose God or he didn't have to choose God. And see, this is the thing. When God actually said, hey, I've cut a covenant with Abraham, he cut a covenant and he put Abraham to sleep in Genesis chapter 15. Man, I wish I had a lot of time to explain this. But he cut covenant with Abraham by putting him to sleep so Abraham didn't have anything to do with it. And he's the one that sacrificed all the stuff so that he said, no matter what you do, Abraham, I now have access to the earth. If you don't get this, this is going to be hard for you. Because people go, well, why can't God do? God has limited himself by his word. And Abraham was a way to get to the earth to put his people so that Jesus could be born. He had to have a man's authority because he had given it away. It's like Johnny Reese. He owns this building. But he doesn't get to come in here on Sunday mornings and do what he wants to with the building. I signed a lease with him. I get to do whatever I want to in this building as long as I don't abide by or I don't break any of the laws that he's put in there. But if I'm within the laws, Johnny has no say-so over this building. See, that's what God did was he put a lease on the earth and he signed it over to Adam. And that's why Jesus had to come as a man in order to have authority. And once he was able to go through and do his authority, now he was able to put the Holy Spirit in everybody. See, the Holy Spirit was only able to go and do things that God wanted him to do for a specific purpose because he had a covenant with Abraham. Guess what? God was not performing miracles or fire wasn't coming down from heaven for any of the Gentiles. Wasn't happening. All the stuff that you see happened only, and I mean only, in Israel. Only. And it was because he had a covenant with Abraham. And he could do special things through Abraham's people because he cut that covenant. 
Is that good? Is everybody okay with that? There's some people that's looking at me like, what are you talking about, Dusty? Preach. Thank you. <laughs> because I'm sitting here, I want you to know, I, I want you to be, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. I want you to understand why God did some of the things that he did because he limited himself by giving Adam these powers. So in verse 6, uh, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Everything that the law was about... Everything that the, the commandments were about had to do with getting Egypt out of Israel. They had been there for 400 years. That's all they knew was Egypt. And people go, well, why did they do certain things? Like right now, you could be stoned for most of us. We're not, I think this is a linen shirt. But some of y'all, most of y'all would be stoned. I'd be okay. But some of y'all have linen shirts that's mixed with like polyester. Well, that was a stonable offense because you couldn't mix two different fabrics. The reason is, is because that was what happened in Egypt. See, he was trying to get Egypt out of Israel. All right, last one here. So we talked about the, the covenant in fire, the covenant in fear. But see, Jesus came and cut covenant with us in peace. John 14, 25, and it says, These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, and peace I give to you, not as the world gives, gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Do you know that your heart is your belief system? It's the word cardia. It means your core beliefs. Don't let things trouble your heart. Don't let your heart be changed by something that happens. If we have war, if we have famine, or if we have whatever it is, don't, let, don't go and take the Lord's name in vain. You can come on over here, Matt. See, God is not putting that on us. That's what the world is putting on us and God is going to provide us the out. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Do you know that walking through the valley of the shadow of death means that it wasn't death. It wasn't the death valley. You know, if you go to Louisiana to, the, to go watch LSU play, they call it death valley, right? This was the shadow of death. It means it looked like you were going to die, but you didn't. See, that's what you need to understand is that it looks like you're going to die, but God's, God's saying we're going to make it through. See, the valley of the shadow of death is what God wants you to understand is that it doesn't matter what you see or hear, what you feel, that He's with you. That His rod and His staff are with you. That, that staff that He was talking about was the Holy Spirit. That was what, when Moses went to the king, he threw the staff. Because it was the way that God could take and make Moses a part of, of the power of the Holy Spirit. He struck the water. He struck the rock to make water come out of it. See, he's rivers of living water that is on the inside of us. See, this is what we need to understand is that there are times and places that you will be sitting there going, I don't understand God. And he's going, it's just a shadow. 
It's just the shadow. You're not going to die. You just keep moving. See, I think too many people that will just sit down. Well, I don't want to go through that valley. It looks bad. Guess what? If you don't go through the valley, you don't get fed. You don't get the nourishment. You don't get the things that you need. And then you will shut down and you will die. And God is calling us to walk through these places and know that who I am in Christ Jesus and that I can walk on hell with a water pistol. Man, you can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. I want you to say it with me. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. You can. And you will. If you're around here, I'm going to make you go through it. You're going to come to me and say, this bad thing's happening. Okay, we're going to pray. And then I'm going to say, what do we need to do? This last verse here. Verse 28, it says, You have heard me say to you, I am gone away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to my Father for my Father is greater than I. You know that we now become a tunnel. We become a gateway to the one that is stronger than I. Because you've accepted Jesus. He lives on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is in you. He's around you. He's dwelling with you. He's doing all kinds of good stuff. And He's out here. And He's coming out of you if you let Him. Well, the valley looks really, really, it's dark. Be the light of the world. Take off the bushel. Don't hide the city that's on a hill. It's on the inside of you. Let it just burn like a fire. You can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I thank you that people's hearts and their minds are attentive, that they're listening to this. And the Holy Spirit, you come in and you teach them even more than what has been taught. Help them to see the things that you are that you are doing through the love of God, of how they love God, how they see God. Help them to know what to do with, with the things that God is telling them, that they know that they are walking through this valley of the shadow of death, but it's not death. It is the light of God, of the world that's on the inside of them that is going to make them shine brighter. And that they're going to be the people, they're going to be what, just like flies, there's all the people are going to come to them and they're going to ask them the questions. And they're going to be the ones that are going to help lead people to Jesus. And Father, I just pray that you are leading people across their paths. You're giving them opportunities to put into practice the things that, that they are learning. Father, I pray that there is new and renewed relationships, that there are things that when people said, you know what, I've... I've not had contact with these people. I've not had anything that there's going to be a contact this week. That they're going to have renewed relationships, Father. And that it's going to flourish and thrive and that they're going to grow and help others to grow. And Father, we just thank you. We praise you. Thank you for a great week. We just ask that you just bless us as we go and help those that are around us to see Jesus in us. 
We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be down in front. Y'all have a great week.